Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for October 2022. We'll focus on the following three insights. The first insight is the performance of our housing market is being singularly influenced by one factor, inflation. Number two, we're in the midst of a market slowdown that we haven't experienced in 10 years. And insight number three, beware, median and average price changes. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and as always, we're joined by Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, Rennie's Senior Analyst with our Intel team. I'm also very excited to welcome Selena Kai, an over 20-year veteran advisor with Rennie, who is a household name and a mainstay on the President's Club. We're very happy to have you join us today. Thank you for coming in and joining our discussion. Thanks, Justine. Hey, Sal. Yeah. Welcome Hi, back. Hi. Thank welcome. you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Sal, how's it going? You just came back from a trip? Yes. Uh, we surprised our 12-year-old daughter with, um, she's a big K-pop fan. So exciting. Um, and she doesn't ask for a lot, so she's been begging us to get her uh, Blackpink tickets. Um, and unfortunately, the only place um, in Canada that the world tour hits is Hamilton, Ontario. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. we decided to pick a, a, a place I like to go. So it was Chicago and uh, we just came back from that. It was a wonderful concert. Amazing. That's amazing. I want to be your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So let's get into our first insight. Insight number one, the performance of our housing market is being singularly influenced by one factor, inflation, more than any point in recent memory. So is inflation really just the only factor? No, it's not the only factor. So, I mean, at any point in time, obviously, our, you know, our market is being impacted by a lot of things, conditions in the labor market, the state of government policy and intervention, migration, demographic trends, all those things and more for sure. Um, but right now, it's kind of all about inflation. Um, like right now, the inflation, so we just had new data come out last week. Um, so it was reporting on October. And the inflation rate nationally was just under 7%, which is very high. Like we haven't seen you know, outside of the last few months, we haven't seen uh, a rate of inflation that high in 40 years. Um, goods inflation, so you start to break it down, and we're seeing a lot of pressure on goods markets. And that, that makes a lot of sense, too. Like, we've been spending on goods, and it's we're, we're having supply chain issues. Delivering those goods to consumers has been tough. So inflation in the goods sector is at 8.5%, and in services, it's 5.5%. But it, it's essentially elevated across the board. And inflation is being impacted by what we would call demand side factors and also supply side factors. So obviously, supply chain issues, uh, well documented um, and persistent, really persistent. I don't think any of us really thought at the beginning of COVID that we would be talking about disrupted supply chains, Mm -hmm. uh, what, two and a half years on? Absolutely. So... um, those fortunately are starting to work themselves out. And, you know, the, the data show that the supply side factors are actually contributing more to inflation right now than the demand side factors. Um, but that contribution may have peaked a few months ago and then there's sort of a lagged impact on inflation. So I think we should, all else being equal, should start to see the rate of inflation overall start to abate a little bit because supply chains are starting to uh, function more 
uh, smoothly than they were in the past. The Bank of Canada, where they come into play is, is on the demand side of the market. So, you know, everybody's talking, I mean, I don't think the Bank of Canada has gotten more publicity than it has in the last six months. Um, but really what it's doing is playing with interest rates to either incentivize borrowing and spending or to disincentivize borrowing and spending. And so uh, over the last six months, they've been raising interest rates. So people would be discouraged from borrowing money to spend um, and also to encourage savings, right? Basically to throw cold water on the demand side of the market. And so to this point, there hasn't been a discernible impact on inflation through that channel, but I think we're really going to start seeing it in the next couple of months. The Bank of Canada now, it's quite hopeful uh, that inflation will get down to, what, 3% by the end of 2023, and then 2% by the end of 2024. And um, I think we're at the point now in this sort of so-called rate tightening cycle where um, we're not going to see policy rate increases in perpetuity. Like we are coming to the end of the rate tightening cycle. The question is, when is it going to end <laughs> and where is it going to end? Yeah. And I think the, you know, right, yeah, we were talking about this uh, recently, just that the most recent inflation data were good in the sense that it showed that the annual inflation rate in Canada didn't rise between September and October, but also didn't fall. So it's kind of sticky. So I think, you know, whereas we might have thought that on December 7th, when the Bank of Canada Board of Governors meets again to determine what to do with interest rates, previously we had thought maybe a quarter of a point increase to 4%. Um, I think now we're sort of tending towards a 50 basis point or a half percentage point increase because inflation is still persistent as it stands right now. Um, and then I think beyond that, the, the language that the bank is using is that um, they will increase rates in response to what they're seeing in the market. Like they're at the point now where they're looking at how past interest rate hikes have impacted the dynamics of our economy, which I think is, a, is a, I think it's a really good thing because I think we are starting to see to see impacts. Um, when we bring it back to our market, I think inflation really, really matters because obviously um, it's tied to interest rates and interest rates really impact our housing market. And I think um, we're not seeing interest rates impact the supply side of the market so much right now. Like we're not seeing, it, it, I mean, if it was, we would see housing inventory, the number of listings really have increased and it's still 20% below, like regionally, it's still 20% below the long-term average. And we haven't seen um, atypical seasonal changes. Like we're seeing inventory actually decline as we head into the end of the year, which is crazy. Um, so people can still afford to be in their homes. Like largely that's what we're seeing where we're seeing inflation and interest rates really matters on the demand side. Right. And I think it's the, the uncertainty is keeping people on the sidelines. Um, and, um, they're kind of waiting for the end of this cycle where rates are increasing. So they kind of understand what they're dealing with. Like, you know, our price is going to fall further. Our rates going to go up more. And I don't think we're, I don't think we have an answer to that quite yet. So Sal, how is inflation impacting the space you work in? How singularly focused are your buyers and sellers or, or would be buyers and sellers on inflation and, and probably more importantly, interest rates? Um, I think, Justine, it's very important. I mean, obviously, I have definitely noticed a slowdown with the buyers in particular. Um, there's a bit of a tug of war. So what's going on is the buyers hear all the negative stats. 
well, whether it's inflation mm-hmm. or um, you know interest rates going up. Um, so they're pr- trying to write offers that they're imagining what prices will go down in mm-hmm. in 2023, whereas mm-hmm. the sellers are still holding on to the prices of earlier in 2022. So we have this tug of war that we're trying to be the middleman to make you know, both parties a little bit unhappy, um, but it's not always successful into creating, uh, you know, a final um, sale or a final uh, purchase uh, that is, you know, that, that that's achievable. Is it fair to say that anybody who's selling right now, it's it's largely people who have to sell for whatever for whatever reason because. You know, if you don't have to sell, to your point, you're still hanging on to this idea that your my home is worth more than it is right now. The majority of people I do tell and advise, if you don't need to sell, don't overprice it and leave it on the market. Because I think that hurts the market in general mm-hmm. to have, you know, listings that are mm-hmm. on the market for 200 plus days, uh, 300 plus days. Um, I think there's opportunity out there where sellers are seeing what they want to downsize to or what they want to upsize to. So that in turn makes them put things up, put their current home on the market because they say there's an opportunity here for me to achieve um, my next step or my next home mm-hmm. if I get the proper price for my current home. Mm-hmm. And that next home, that price has changed as well. So you're sort of operating in the same space. Exactly. So um, as a realtor, I have to constantly advise them because it actually is shifting sometimes week to week um, because that home that they're looking for, if I can tell them, hey, they're actually willing to go to this price. That gives me leeway on the listing of their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is interesting how it feels like the market more than any time in recent memory is hinging on the release of news and data, like on a month to month or like you said, week to week basis, like whether yeah. it's data on our unemployment rate or how many more jobs were added or it's inflation or it's interest rate announcements by the Bank of Canada. Everyone's really almost like desperate to have some certainty because there's just a lot in flux. And it feels like, I think for a lot of us, it feels like this is a bit of a transitory period, right? Like this is not a permanent state for the market. So the question we all have is sort of like, when is this going to end so that I can make a decision here, right? Well, it doesn't help that the government keeps on saying the interest rates will keep on going up. We potentially might increase it a few more times because if we know what the ceiling is, then people can budget and prepare. Yeah, and I think that that is key. And I think, I mean, in all fairness to the Bank of Canada, (laughs) I don't know if this this gives anyone confidence. I don't think they know. Well, yeah, they're they're waiting to watch the data just like the rest of us. Yeah, but that's clearly it's clearly what we're all yeah clearly what we're all waiting for. So this brings us to insight number two. We're in the midst of a market slowdown that we haven't experienced in ten years. In my recent memory, there's been some pretty slow periods uh, back in 2020, uh, spring 2020, or in 2018. So what makes this slowdown any different? Yeah, for sure. Um, We all know that sales counts have come off quite a bit. Things have slowed down, but they have as well in the last few years at at various times. So what's different about this? Um, Let's use the 3,000 sale sort of threshold here. So 3,000 resales in a month is, is pretty close to the floor for this market um, for both board areas. So um, in October, we had 2778, so just under 3,000 sales. That's 48% less than last year, 36% less than a typical October where you usually see a bump in sales. So that's the fourth consecutive month where we mm. failed to meet 3,000 sales in this region. 
uh, we're well, we're on pace to do well below 3000 again in November for, for the daily data that we watch. Uh, and then of course, December is a really slow month anyway, and we're likely to come in below 3000 sales in December as well. So we're in the middle of what we expect to be at least a six month period of fewer than 3000 sales each month. Um, and so for context, the last time we had six months of that was actually late 2012 into early 2013, so a decade ago. So again, using that 3,000 sales sort of barometer, mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen this, this length of, of fewer than 3,000 sales in 10 years. Um, so that's, that's sort of the, the barometer we're using for this 10-year this slowdown. Um, and you'd think with such few sales, such a, such a big slowdown in activity, this subdued demand, uh, to Ryan's point, that subdued demand from higher interest rates, that market conditions would have tilted heavily in favor of buyers. There's so few mm -hmm. buyers out there that those buyers that are left, um, market conditions would really favor them. And, and actually, that's not the case. Um, so again, using that months of inventory metric, overall, it's about 5.3, which is right in balanced territory. Detached homes are balanced. Condos and townhomes are actually still technically in seller's market territory, if you can believe it. Um, and the reason for that, um, again, to Ryan's point earlier, is it's inventory. Inventory is still mm -hmm. um, quite constrained, and it's now declining. Um, so we said last month that inventory always declines in the fall. You can count on it. Um, and sure enough, that trend continued into October. So we had about 14,600 listings in October, um, which is, yeah, 36% higher than last year, but last year was an all-time low. Um, and we're still way below the, the long run average, and it's following that trend that we typically see in the fall. So we're right, right around what we sort of expected at the end of October. Again, looking at the daily data into November, and we're seeing that same trend. So if this trend continues to hold, and, and so far what we're seeing is it likely will, barring some, some real odd shifts at the end of the year, we're on pace to finish the year around 10,000 listings or even fewer, which again is historically low. So we, we, we keep coming back to this inventory is tight, it's declining, and that's sort of keeping this market, the supply side of this market in check, and it's probably keeping prices mm -hmm. from falling even further. Mm -hmm. um, so Sal, I'm, I'm wondering, like it's such a tricky market right now with low demand, but also low supply, with falling prices, with rising rates. Where are you seeing opportunities for buyers and sellers out there, um, and how do you advise them in sort of this this odd conditions set of conditions that we have? Well, Ryan, in every um, market, there's always opportunity. Um, I believe right now the opportunity is sort of leaning towards the buyer side more than the seller side, um, especially hmm. buyers that are I find uh, ready to go pre pre approved mm -hmm. end users. Um, they're buying a home for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's key because um, right now, if there is an opportunity for a neighborhood they want to get into or um, you know, upgrading to a townhouse, house, whatever it is, you can now do your due diligence. You can yeah. now negotiate for the right price. And I always tell my buyers, no one can predict the bottom of the market. But you know, if you're within five to 10%, I mean, no one wants to pay extra, but no one knows the bottom. So once you get in that range that you're comfortable with, uh, working out all your expenses, go for it. Because in the long term, the market will still stabilize. And now you've entered um, into um, a new phase in your life, in a new home that you love, in a new neighborhood that you love. That's a good point. And I think, you know, back to this tight and declining inventory, if you find that right home, 
today. It might not be on the market in December. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where like this uncertainty is sort of, I think, removing people's appetite for taking on risk. Mm -hmm. But there are always reasons to be selling or buying like very valid, valid reasons Mm -hmm. uh, related to your your life, your job, your family, and that kind of thing. So we're, you know, we'll continue to see. I mean, there will be those situational opportunities, yeah. I suppose, to, to both buy and sell. Yes, for sure. But Sal, so you're, you're a seasoned pro, but that doesn't necessarily make life easy in this environment, right? But um, you have the discipline and the expertise to navigate it. What advice would you give to new or junior um, realtors in this, this specific environment? Mm. I think everyone approaches uh, their work differently. My style has always been um, a very hardworking style. Mm-hmm. And I think in a slower market, that's even more um, something that you want to do and, and find different avenues to work even harder than you had to before. This is not a time to take breaks yeah. because whatever you can achieve and research and do now, it's going to pay off later when the market does you know, come back again, I would say. Um, the key thing I would say is um, spend as much time Try and spend as much time with your personal life and making that a positive force in your life as well, too. So whether that's family or doing something that's mentally challenging for you to keep yourself upbeat and positive, Mm -hmm. because you really need to translate it because there's so many things thrown at you that are negative. People telling you that the market's collapsing, people telling you that the interest rates are going up. You have to be the positive force backed up with statistics and analytical Mm -hmm. information that we are so lucky at Rennie to, to get with all of you guys, um, and back it up with real stats. Uh, We were just attending a UDI meeting where Andrew was speaking, and he talked about all the billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that are still available in people's pockets in unmortgaged amounts of money out Mm -hmm. there, as well as the immigration that's, I mean, it's unbelievable. What was it? Uh, By 2024, 2025, we're expecting 500, you know, 1,000 working immigrants to come here mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know i mean those numbers are things that as licensed agents you you should be spinning out daily like 10 times a day these stats mm-hmm. um and i believe that positive way and uh you know not just not just kind of creating flaky positive energy but actually having real stats backed up with your positivity really would help you move forward yeah and i think this goes back to you know your your point about you know sort of leaning on the data and trying to be a bit more objective in one's assessment of where the market's at i think that really what that supports is a longer term view of the stability of this region from a, like a social and economic and housing market perspective. Um, and that's where, you know, personally where I get my belief, it's guided by the data, my belief in the long-term future of where, where we live is you sort of look and you realize it's a place that people want to be for a whole bunch of obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, how do we accommodate that? I think the really, really tricky question to answer, and I'm always a bit wary when people are very, have very confident answers in this respect is where where's the market going to be in three months or six months or 12 months because i think that's a really really tricky part right now and i'm sure this is where if you're you know especially like a say first-time home buyer or a new realtor it becomes it becomes so challenging there's so much noise and information out there but then the data and having honestly having <laughs> if you're if you're a new realtor an experienced realtor having a relationship with someone like you sal who can help guide them like you you've been through 
many market cycles now and seeing the ups and the downs, right? And so I think that you, you can be a very valuable resource for, for some of those realtors. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> anytime, if anyone wants to give me a call or have a question, I'm always uh, available. Um, but a prime example was a couple weeks ago, um, uh, a seller of ours, he was pretty firm and adamant on his pricing since October 1st. And you know, we put in our hard work and we did all the marketing, did all the opens, did all the showings, and we still weren't getting pen to paper. We advised him at that point, um, after we've proven that we've actually shown the work, let's just cut the price down by 50,000, re-virtually stage the home, bring it out again. And sure enough, we actually created multiple offers at above asking price, at a price per square foot that's record for that area. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this still happens. So, you know, it's not across the board um, that, you know, everything is slow. Um, you just have to be more creative. There's definitely more uh, things like subject to sales that you see through, or, you know, you have to keep on trying at certain properties as well too, because the seller may change motivation um, over a period of time, but just keep at it. And if you have a, like a hot buyer, you know that they're ready to go, just keep on trying for them because you never know, something might stick. You mentioned when we were talking the other day um, that you, know, you might have a buyer who likes a property but not at the price point they're asking, that as the market keeps changing, like to your point, sometimes week to week, that you sometimes check in with the the listing agent, oh, has, has their motivation changed at all? And, and that's one of the things you like to do. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, if you do it in a very polite um, way, because obviously it can get, uh, you know, annoying to some listing agents if you just keep on throwing the same lowball number at them. Yeah. But if you make it so that it's more, you're, you're more curious and you just want to try and put together, I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, that listing agent wants to get the sale done as well too. And they will cooperate with you, but you have to sort of be there all the time because, you know, three months, four months later, later um, when that seller may be more motivated if you hadn't followed up they may not remember to call you mm -hmm. that's a really great point and so that takes us into insight number three beware median and average price changes so the stats show that between September and October the median prices were up for each product type in Vancouver board area including a seven percent increase for townhomes I think it's safe to say that home values are declining right now. Can you tell us what's going on with the median prices? Yeah, and I think we should start by reminding everyone sort of the difference in how each of these metrics are calculated, what they do and don't represent. Um, so median and both median and average prices, they represent the values of the specific homes that are selling in a given month. So the average is the mean sold price for every property that transacted last month. And then the median is when you take each sale and you pick the middle sold price. Um, and that, that metric helps protect against if there's one or two really expensive properties at the high end that kind of skew that average up a bit. Um, but both of these metrics depend on the specific properties that sell in a given month. Um, and when you have a period of less activity of a bit slower market, um, that can fluctuate even more as there are fewer properties to draw on for those averages and those medians. Um, and that's one of the things that happened from September, October. You, you point out it looks like prices went up if you just look at median prices um, and townhomes in particular. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks that the price of townhomes went up 7% last month no. in the Vancouver board area. Um, so what's happening? You might, you might look at that and say, hey, prices are increasing. Um, but I would say not so fast. <laughs> Um, there's 
this part of this is what we call the composition effect. So the composition of the specific homes that are selling are, are what's sort of skewing those numbers. Um, so let's sort of look a little closer at those townhome sales to kind of see, well, what is actually happening? And when you, when you look at the individual properties that you're transacting, you can kind of see a pattern start to emerge. So in both September and October, we had fewer than three, 300 townhome sales in the Vancouver board area. So again, not a lot to begin with. So each home carries sort of a bigger weight to that average or that median sale price. Um, so October had a much higher proportion of townhome sales in North Van and in Richmond, which are two higher priced areas within the board, um, and far fewer homes in Maple Ridge, which again is a lower priced area. So if you just look at those, that composition alone will, will change how, mm -hmm. how those values look. And then on top of that, October, October had far more four bedroom townhome sales as a proportion of sales and fewer three bedroom townhomes. So again, that's gonna push price. October had more sales over a million. It had larger homes, more, more square footage, which again, all points to higher values. So what actually happened is more expensive homes sold in October, not that prices went mm -hmm. up. Um, and so we like to look at benchmark prices to see how values are changing. And so the benchmark price, again, to remind everyone that comes from the home price index. Um, it's sort of a complicated formula, but essentially it takes the components of a typical home in an area and, and sort of assigns values to those components and then does sort of a rolling average. And really it focuses on trying to figure out the value of a typical home in an area and how it's changing over time. So the benchmark price doesn't tell you necessarily what your home is worth or what any actual real home is worth, but sort of this made up typical home but it's really good for tracking month to month and year over year price changes. Um, and so when we look at benchmark price changes from September to October, all the product types in Vancouver board had a sort of a small decline month to month, uh, ranging from about 0.2% for condos um, to 1.8% in the Valley for detached homes. And I think that's much more representative of what values are doing right now. Prices probably declined a little bit in October relative to September. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then just to remind everyone, year over year, benchmark prices are still up in the Vancouver board area for all product types and in the Fraser Valley board area for all product types except detached homes, which have now seen a, a decline, a marginal decline year over year. Um, so Sal, I wanted to ask you that sort of given all this noise out there, um, not to mention lower sales volumes with that, there's a lot fewer comps available when you're advising your clients. Does it make it more difficult in this sort of market, these conditions for you to set expectations? Do you find it's a little trickier with, with some of the noisier metrics out there? So Ryan, I'll break it up uh, speaking towards sellers versus buyers. Okay. Sellers, I'm pretty firm with them. So I will, again, I mentioned earlier, I will say, you know, if you, if you just want to aim for some high, high price, this is not the right time to put your home on the market. Um, I will give them a range. It is harder now with less um, firm sold statistics out there um, to give them that really, really confident number um, mm -hmm. that moves. Um, I do find even if it is a confident number, it's not necessarily resulting in a sale right away either. Um, so that's, it does make our job a little bit more difficult. Um, but the sellers also want us to see, the sellers also want to know, um, and, and watch us and they're more in tune with everything we do now. So as a realtor, you also have to really perform. So you can't sit back. There's no showings happening. You're not giving them updates. I feel like 
if I every few days follow up with my sellers, give them updates, why we aren't having showings, what we're doing, they're more, um, I guess, receptive if in a month's time or one, in ma- one and a half month's time, I suggest a new price or a new way of marketing their home. They just want to be um, updated throughout the process. Yeah. Um, for buyers, um, I'm taking a, an approach where I sort of let them guide how fast or how aggressive they want to be. Um, and I find they're very in tune with getting listings, seeing what's out there, everything they want to see, and if something they want to put an offer, I'm ready to do that at a moment's notice. But if they have a bit of buyer fatigue and they just kind of want to wait and see to learn what happens um, next year, I'm also very supportive of that as well. Because I do feel with next year, there should be more inventory coming on. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. Everything that you shared, Sal, is all really, really great points. And so um, I think this wraps up the podcast for today. On today's podcast, we covered three main insights. The first is the performance of our housing market is being singularly influenced by one factor, inflation. Number two, we're in the midst of a market slowdown that we haven't experienced in 10 years. And insight number three was median and average prices changes. So thank you, Sal, for joining us today. You shared so much valuable insight regarding um, buyers, sellers, uh, mentality, and also a lot of advice for for agents too, which is is really great to hear from you know your your experience and uh, everything that you've you, you've done and done the work for in the past. So I just want to ask if you have any final sentiments or thoughts for home buyers and sellers in the market, um, or you know, or possibly thinking about being in the market or uncertain about what to do in the, a time like this. Um, I think the most important, Justine, is going back and, um, you know, we do a lot of due diligence uh, when we purchased a, when we purchase a cell phone plan. So I think with something as important with probably one of your major sales or purchases of your life, please put the due diligence into interviewing or, um, you know, getting to know a few agents and uh, make sure you find one that is definitely compatible uh, to your needs, experienced and hardworking, um, because I think you'll achieve a much uh, more successful conclusion um, if you spend the time and effort into interviewing someone that you would love to work with. That's great. And if anybody wants to continue that conversation with you, how can they best reach you? I can be reached on most um, uh, social media platforms, um, but my cell phone is 604-773-7013. And the Renny website will direct you to all um, the available platforms to reach me on. Yeah, that's great. You can find Selena also on the Renny website at rennie.com slash Selena Kai. So just want to mention about next month's podcast. We'll be unpacking and sharing some findings from the latest consumer sentiment survey, uh, a semi-annual survey of Vancouver's residents that shed some light on their plans to buy and sell. So that'll be a really you know, interesting listen um, just to hear what they feel about the future and what's keeping them up at night. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. So look mm-hmm. forward to yeah. that as well. So this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you, Selena. I really, really appreciate your time today and your insight that you shared with us. Thank you, Ryan and Ryan. Until next time. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Thank Thanks, you. Al. Thank you. 
Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Thank you.